This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Honey. So I feel like, especially recently, uh, we have to keep warning you before each episode that, uh, hey, this one's going to be a, a bit of a bummer. And we do apologize for that, but today's story is virtually inescapable and has turned nearly everyone on the internet into a detective searching for, for clues, for meaning, for interpretations, for possible outcomes, for theories, conspiracies, and anything else you can think of uh, regarding this missing persons case, which has unfortunately turned into a murder case. And it is extremely, extremely important to point out that the, the mystery that has everyone captivated over the past two weeks, it involves very real people and family members and friends who have lost a loved one. And we're speaking, of course, about the disappearance of Gabby Petito and her fiance, Brian Laundry. So we're just gonna do our best here to lay out what has happened so far and how the internet and social media played a role in helping to, at the very least, pinpoint a precise area where federal officials and local police could focus their search. What made this case so intriguing to people online is that Gabby and Brian were documenting pretty much everything that they did on social media through Instagram, a YouTube channel, and accounts for services that help with hiking and camping locations called All Trails and Dirt with a Y. Gabby and Brian left Florida back in June to drive cross country and live out of their van while exploring the national parks, a hobby and a lifestyle that has exploded in popularity in recent years, especially during the pandemic. Hashtag van life. Yes. So they documented their stops, campsites, notable locations, tourist areas, and more on their social media accounts, as well as in uh, one compilation video that was posted to their YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, so in mid-August, local police in Moab, Utah, responded to a domestic dispute between the couple, which uh, during the initial 911 call indicated that Brian had slapped Gabby, among other things, uh, from ABC News. Moab officers responded to the incident, located the van, and pulled the couple over. Moab police released body camera footage of the traffic stop and wrote in a report that the couple, identified as Laundry and Petito, admitted to arguing and that Petito had slapped Laundry. Uh, the couple also stated to police that Laundry did not hit Petito, according to the report. And after speaking to Petito and Laundry separately, the police allowed the couple to continue on their way. Quote, insufficient evidence existed to justify criminal charges. So about two weeks later, Gabby's mother spoke with her daughter on the phone via FaceTime and everything seemed to be normal. Mm -hmm. Gabby was in a good mood and the couple indicated that they would be continuing their trip by heading to Wyoming to visit Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park. This was August 25th, and that would be the last time that Gabby would have spoken to her mom directly. After the 25th, text messages were sent to the mother, but the family believes that those texts weren't actually sent from Gabby herself mm -hmm. and were sent by Brian, including one that said that the lack of communication from Gabby was due to a lack of service in Yosemite, yeah. which is in California and not Wyoming. That's a pretty big, that's a, a bit of a red flag there. Yeah. So on September 1st, uh, Brian Laundrie reported, uh, uh, reportedly returned to his parents' house in Northport, Florida, alone. And for nearly two weeks, acted as if nothing was out of the ordinary, with neighbors reportedly seeing him doing things like mowing the grass or going for a bike ride. And on September 11th, uh, Gabby was officially reported missing by her mother, and just three days after that, it was reported that Brian had retained a lawyer and uh, took the legal advice to shut the fuck up. Which is smart. It is. It's... People are Pretty acting standard like, uh, legal advice. Yeah, a lot of people are acting like, oh, it's isn't it suspicious that he's getting a lawyer and uh, not just talking to whoever asked about it? Like, no, that's actually pretty standard practice. You should do that regardless of your uh, guilty status. What happens after that? Yeah. Very suspicious. Yes. But uh, standard legal practice would have any lawyer tell their client to not say anything to anyone. Yeah. 
So the story of this missing 22-year-old starts to get more widespread media exposure when the family uh, reports that their daughter's missing and then the presumed suspect immediately lawyers up. Mm. Um, yeah, so Gabby's family appeared in interviews and on TV asking for help finding their daughter. Shortly after all of this starts to make nationwide news, this is where things get even crazier. It's announced that Brian has also gone missing after he'd apparently told his parents that he was going for a hike in an area known as Carlton Reserve. Uh, according to the Laundry family, Brian had left home on his hike, quote unquote, uh, just two days after Gabby was reported missing and a day before he was officially named as a person of interest in the case. Great time for a hike. Mm -hmm. So by Friday of last week, the case of the now two missing people is national news. Search parties are out looking for Brian in the nature reserve where his parents informed police that he was heading. Gabby, still nowhere to be found, was assumed by her parents and the media to still be somewhere near Grand Teton in Wyoming. And that's when the help from social media started to pour in. If you've been on the internet long enough, you've probably seen many, many examples of uh, millions of strangers coming together to solve a case on the other side uh, of a keyboard. It's, it's often a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it typically goes wrong. The Boston bombing is uh, probably the worst example of this. Yes. We did it, Reddit. We, uh, we solved the case. We implicated a completely innocent man who actually is currently dead as the Boston bomber and made his family's life just yeah. an absolute hell on top of the hell they're already going And through. that's not the only example. There's plenty of examples uh, of this happening where uh, internet detectives get on something and think that they have the, the evidence that uh, all of the police and FBI have missed. Yeah. And uh, it typically does not end well. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Yeah. There were certainly plenty of outlandish theories and clues here that were being spread around through multiple Twitter and Reddit threads and probably many, many, many other places online. But mm -hmm. this time, social media was actually able to help because the story gained such national attention that it reminded at least a few people about interactions that they had had with this couple or with Brian, or like seeing the van that they'd been traveling yeah. uh, in. And since nearly everyone traveling through national parks documents their journeys through GoPros and dash cams and everything else, there was a lot of actual evidence provided by people who were filming their travel and nature vlogs. Yes. So they inadvertently actually helped this case yeah. by being out there vlogging and getting as much footage as, as possible of their adventures. Now, if, there's a few things to point out. While it is good that these people provided evidence directly to social media platforms that was able to make its way to law enforcement and the FBI, you would assume or at least hope that their stories of interactions and the video footage that was posted online would have made its way to the proper authorities regardless of the internet's natural fascination with the missing person's case. Like, if you've got footage of uh, this van out in the woods because your family was traveling, like you would assume that these people would give it over to the FBI if would, the internet didn't exist or something. You would hope so. But having it posted online as opposed to sent directly to police and the FBI just uh, perpetuated the insatiable appetite for clues and information to people following along online. Again, th this is a real person with a real family that had instantly turned into a kind of weird, unsettling, true crime podcast that was playing out in real time. Uh, there was just so much like live discussion of this and theories and stuff that mm -hmm. it was just like, look, the police are on this. The FBI is on this. Um, it's great that this is, uh, you know, reminding people that, they, hey, they saw a van that fit the description or they maybe yeah. picked someone up. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was weird. But uh, it's also, it is a completely natural human reaction to be fascinated by things like this, despite how morbid it is. 
um, especially in America, where we have a very, very long history of uh, the media pushing uh, stuff like this. There's entire channels dedicated to it. Yeah, the Investigation uh, Discovery Channel, the uh, the murder porn channel. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing ever broadcast on TV for a while was the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, uh, what's her name from Orlando? Um, Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony trial. Like, this is a, a, an American thing. It's, yeah. It comes naturally, whether that's uh, probably bad or whatever. Um, we're also reporting on it now, along with hundreds of other channels and local news networks and cable news. It, suffice to say, the Internet's obsession actually helped in this case. And the more attention that was given to it, the more information could be found, and the faster these two missing people could be found. So there were multiple people posting on TikTok and Twitter, retelling stories about seeing either the couple or just Brian, with a handful of people adding times and locations to the overall timeline by indicating that they'd seen Brian alone on certain dates and certain locations and how he was acting and what he was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but the two most important clues or important pieces of evidence came from a specific TikTok user and a family who uh, vlogs their travels. The first was a woman named Miranda Baker who posted multiple TikToks explaining a strange interaction that she had had with a man who fit Brian's description. Uh, she'd picked him up after he'd asked for a ride to Jackson, Wyoming, and offered her and her boyfriend $200 for the trouble, which stood out to them as strange. Yeah, where they picked him up was maybe, depending on traffic, like 30 to 40 minute drive yeah. to, it, it was like 20 miles or 10 or 20 miles okay. or something like that. Uh, so $200 was... Very strange. Yeah. yeah. So he had claimed that he'd gone out on a solo hike for days, apparently, and he'd left his fiance back at their van where she was editing videos for their YouTube channel. So they noted that he was lightly packed, recently showered, didn't show any clear signs that he'd been out camping or hiking for any extended period of time at all. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the couple then went to, they went a different route to get Jackson or Jackson Hole, same place. There is some, there's like confusion uh, between everyone looking into this and uh, people actually involved in this where the Jackson and Jackson Hole pretty much the same exact thing. Okay. So there, there's like people going, well, he said Jackson, they said Jackson Hole. It's the same thing. All right. Well, they, they noted that taking a different route freaked yeah. Brian out a little bit. So he then told the couple to stop and let him out so that he could get back on track. They posted the video explanation, they spoke to police, and then they also posted follow-up videos answering questions about the experience. And it all seems pretty helpful. It is, yeah. And then came the video that was posted over the weekend, which at literally pinpointed the exact location of Brian and Gabby's van when they were visiting this area. And that's thanks to a couple whose channel operates under the name Red, White, and Bethune. Uh, they'd remembered seeing uh, the van while visiting a campsite just outside of Jackson Hole called the Spread Creek Dispersed Camping Area. And it stood out to them because the van had Florida plates. It just so happened uh, they were also from Florida. So this was just something that made it stick out mm. in their minds out of every other van or camper that you would yeah. see out. Uh, so all of the news coverage reminded them of seeing it. And so they went through all of their old footage uh, from the day that they drove into that camping area and they uploaded it online, which basically gave authorities an exact location of that van during the time that Brian had gone on his solo hike and told the other TikToker about the general location of the van. Hmm. So based on where he was going, that's where the van was the entire time he was doing whatever it was that he was doing. Yeah. Um, this was also the time that uh, Gabby had gone silent on conversations and texts to her family. Within a day of the video being posted online, authorities had located a body that had matched the description of Gabby Petito less than a thousand feet from the location of the van in Spread Creek. As you're probably aware, or might not be, yeah. the Grand Teton and Yellowstone area is massive. Yeah. It is 
huge. A search for a missing person or a body in that area could have taken weeks if it's ever found at all. There's Every national park has people somewhere out there that just haven't been found even years We're, later. Yeah, it, it, look look on a map and just see how massive this area is. It yeah. is very, for anyone that's like outside of the country or hasn't traveled, it is, it's huge. So yeah, it's undeniable that the people who had seen Brian and spotted the van were actually vital to providing local and federal authorities a specific area to start their search. As for Brian, well, he's still missing and has been for about a week at this point. But based on all the other actions leading up to this, it's it's anyone's guess as to where he's at. Yeah, he might not be where he said that he was going. Um, I mean, if he is, uh, that place, not exactly the most hospitable yeah, place so, to hide out in. Look, for whatever reason, my home area keeps popping up in the news, uh, mostly for bad reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, as, a, as a kid, I went on multiple field trips to Mayaka State Park, where this reserve is. And uh, yeah, I would not want to be uh, anywhere in that area overnight. A lot of at predators. All. Yeah. It, I mean, the whole, it's swampland. There's yeah. gators everywhere. It, it's not a place that you want to be for any extended period of time, alone especially. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the search of the nature reserve near his parents' house, uh, it has been called off. Uh, then his parents' house was officially turned into a crime scene uh, once they found Gabby's body. And the FBI and local police have been there uh, since that time as well, uh, taking pretty much every electronic device and everything that they think would be yeah. important to this case out of the house. Um, something could have happened by the time this video is up, but the uh, the latest in this case, is that the lawyer who's representing a Brian Laundry or the Laundry family, uh, Stephen Bertolino, uh, he made an announcement on Monday that he will be holding a press conference uh, I- representing or with the family on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, no one has any idea what new information will be coming out of that press conference or whether it'll confirm Brian's whereabouts or any admission of guilt. Uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, if you're watching this video on Tuesday, it's it's already happened, so you know a lot more than we do. But uh, we don't know. We don't know what the lawyer's going to say. I'm, I'm sure that he's not going to walk Brian out. Yeah, I imagine it'll be a lot of no comment. Yes. Hey, sorry, uh, recording this from home because there was an update. Uh, as I was editing the video, it was announced that uh, the Laundry family and the lawyer have canceled the press conference, seemingly at the uh, request of the... Uh, FBI, so that's canceled, and that's the latest update. Um, sorry, that was it, it happened after we filmed. But like with any story we cover where the topic is overwhelmingly depressing and exhausting and dark, yes, uh, we honestly can't think of any way to change gears into the other topics that are in the news at the start of this week. So let's just try to lighten the mood a little bit here by telling you that comedy is now a lost art form. It's dead. The Emmys produced a Mike Pence fly-on-head sketch last night that aired during their broadcast. You remember the the, the fly? What was it, a year ago? Yeah, almost exactly one year ago. Oh, my God. So yeah. in this sketch. And and even, like, that's what was, like, weird about this was, like, even, like, a week or two after it, it was like, oh, really? Are you still talking about this and doing yeah. sketches about this? It was, like, it was... It's been a year since was the fly landed. lower-tier comedy than even Kofifi was. It was... We were saying, I think, the day after that it was burnt out by the time you woke up. Did you guys hear that a fly landed on Mike Pence's head? You gotta see this video to <laughs> oh believe it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but... Uh, the Emmys, they they went there. Nevertheless, the Emmys persisted. Mm-hmm. So in their sketch, Cedric the Entertainer does a, a black ops mission with a talking fly. He sends it out to sabotage Mike Pence or something. I don't know. 
by landing on his head. Yes. Upon landing there, the fly chats it up with Kamala Harris and then talks about how Mike Pence's hair smells like strawberries before eventually flying away while screaming, all flies matter. Ugh. And while there is certainly something to be said about a fly screaming that after landing on Mike Pence's head, the entire premise of the comedy sketch is so dated and stupid that any kind of political statement or lack thereof would fall flat anyway. Yeah. Literally doing a joke about the fly that landed on Mike Pence's head in September of 2021. Yeah. Almost a full year ago. This is like what... This is so I, dated this is, and nonsensical. This is actually groundbreaking because I've never seen a joke on a nationally televised event like this so dated. Yeah, like, I mean, what, what did they? What else did they have? Borat and uh, Austin well, even, Powers. But that's the thing is, like, <laughs> you joke, but at least Borat had a movie out last year. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I have to give them some credit to their commitment to anti-comedy. Yeah. Um, it was really something like. Just the laziest uh, writer's room I could imagine. Well, what happened in the past year? I don't know. Do we really want to do a bunch of COVID jokes? <laughs> like, uh, uh, a fly landed on the vice president's oh, head for a minute. Perfect. Give me five minutes. I'll get you a sketch. And the sketch is literally just Cedric the Entertainer releasing the fly. Man. That's that, And then the rest is just footage of the fly on his head. So, anyways. It's not good. You'd be forgiven for not even being aware that the Emmy Awards were happening at all. Yeah. Uh, but they actually happened. And in person this year much to what appeared to be the dismay of Seth Rogen, who mentioned on stage that the whole thing kind of seemed unsafe. Quote, Let me start by saying there are way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It is not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than to make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. That has been decided. Uh... Damn, Seth. Yeah, uh, I mean, here. To be completely fair, those in attendance were reportedly confirmed to have been vaccinated and apparently also needed to test negative in addition to that. But uh, it was very stupid to put them in this tent and then just, like, be like, yeah, it's outside. We're in a tent outside. This is the same thing with, like, restaurants. Yeah, this is like, uh, I mean, you don't get it over here as much. But on the East Coast, like, New York City, like... Summer of 2020, they all built, like, sort of outdoor seating on the sidewalks, but then it gets very cold there in the winter. So just gradually over the next six months, they just turned into indoor, indoor seating areas outside. But outside. There was defeating a, the entire purpose I saw it. stories about one that was two stories tall. <laughs> and it's just like, this. good for you, I guess, for skirt, like doing like whatever gets you past the regulations to stay open. But this yeah. isn't exactly what people You're, meant when they said outdoor yeah, dining. Everyone is is at just as much risk of COVID infection as they would be just inside your actual restaurant. But now they're also at risk of the fucking shack collapsing on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like a, a structure, don't, don't. structural risk. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, in the wintertime, there was pictures going around last year. There's like, they would have heaters inside these fucking tents. Oh, my God. So, but that's the thing is, it's like, you have to imagine, I, I don't know exactly where they always do the Emmys. I don't know if it's the, well, it's not the Kodak Theater anymore. What do they call it now? The Dolby Theater. Yeah. But you would assume that the ventilation is better in an actual theater, big, large theater, than in a makeshift tent on top of a parking lot somewhere. I I don't know. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. The Emmy sucked anyway. Yeah, who cares? But uh, as for the big winners of the night, we're not going to go through all of them here, but uh, here's some winners in some of the bigger categories and everything else you can just assume went to the crown because that's... 
However, it seemed to go. Oh, the crown! I watched uh, just just enough of the Emmys to see the crown win a bunch and the Mike Pence sketch. There might be worse sketches that happened at the yeah. Emmys. I didn't see them. I only saw the Mike Pence one. Um, so that's all I saw. Uh, so outstanding variety talk series went to last week tonight with John Oliver. Okay. Yeah. Uh, lead actors in a comedy went to Gene Smart for Hacks. Watched a little bit of that. It was pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Lead actor in a comedy went to Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, the show everyone fucking loves. Yeah. Ted Lasso also won Best Comedy overall. I tried to watch Ted Lasso, but apparently the Apple TV Plus app on Roku is completely broken. And it, this is like a known thing because I went yeah. searching for it online. And everyone's like, yeah, the audio desyncs all the time. And then it'll just freeze and the Roku will shut down. I'm like, well, I guess I'm never watching Ted Lasso. Yeah, oh well. Yeah. People people are very defensive about that show. People will be like, I have no interest in watching Ted Lasso. I don't, I'm not signing up for another streaming service. They're like, uh, well, you're missing out. It's on... the feel-good comedy that you didn't know you needed. It's not just a comedy. It, it'll make you a better person. Calm the fuck down. The 15 I'm minutes sure that I fine. saw in between trying to get it to work and it would run smooth for another five minutes, it did seem like a very fun show. I'm sure it's fine. But also, the guy, there's a guy in it that looks so much like Louis C.K. Oh. That it is like uh, doing double takes there's the whole time. There's another guy that's CGI. There's a CGI Allegedly. guy in it? No, he's oh, not. Okay. But people, there was a weird conspiracy theory that mm. this one character, for no reason, was CGI. Of course he wouldn't be. I didn't but, get far enough in it. But okay. he does, he, this act, the actor does weirdly look like the sort of like create a character in a mm. like, Soccer video game. Okay. He like just has features that look like a uh, sort of. Well, the 15 <laughs> minutes I saw were great. There's a press conference where the British yeah. media questions him about why he's coming here. He doesn't know anything about soccer. It's a very fun interaction. All right. Well, yeah. anyway, uh, lead actress in a drama went to Olivia Coleman for The Crown. The Crown! <laughs> lead actor went to Josh O'Connor for The Crown. Hello! And The Crown won Best Drama Overall. Yeah. Uh, Queen's Gambit won for Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series. I liked that a lot. I didn't watch it. Really? I liked She's it. She's weird looking. And so is her boyfriend in the show. His eyes, too close together. Oh, Hers, the, too the far little boy apart. man? Yeah. Yeah. He was great, though. The whole show was great. I thought it was, you know, it was entertaining. She's, uh, look, I, she's very, very pretty. And it, it made everyone want to play way. chess for like a month. Yeah. It was great. Um, the Outstanding Variety special category was absolutely stacked. You got nominees like Bo Burnham's Inside, Dave Chappelle's 846. But the award went to Hamilton. Fuck you. Yeah. That's not, that's stupid. Come on. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh... You just filmed a play. I can do that <laughs> with my phone. I'm sure there's, yeah, you can watch this on YouTube for free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the rest you can find down in the links below. But yeah, I mean, the entire award ceremony seemed like a slog. And maybe it, maybe it's the pandemic, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of variety when it came to the nominees this year. Yes. Uh, luckily, whatever had been produced before the pandemic struck. Um, but uh, yeah, oddly snubbed, The Boys. Nah, they, no nominees. That would have never gotten a That The Boys is the type of show that absolutely does not appeal to your average voter in these things. It's yeah. the same with like, it's like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It should have won at least a few comedy Emmys at this point, but it just, it's not the type of show that appeals well, that, that's a, to there's the people thing, that like they, have, they have a whole category for sketch comedy and Saturday Night Live, it was, there was two nominees and one of them was Saturday Night Live. So Saturday Night Live is going to win. What about, I think you should leave. Like, that's what I was, <laughs> that's what I thought when I saw the category. Yeah. Like at least have more nominees Yeah. to just like fake that you're going to give it to yeah. someone else. Auntie Donna's 
that's a good little Australian variety show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. that's Australia. I mean, but this is America. Well, whatever. Anyway, and, and the Crown. The Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, before we do the rest of the news, to start uh, this week, this this very quick week, yeah, including more amazing clips from local school board meetings. God yeah. damn it! Let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsor, Honey. We all shop online. We've all seen that promo code field taunting us at checkout. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands to even food delivery. Here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. And if Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. I don't think it's any secret at this point that uh, my form of escapism af- uh, during and after the pandemic has Buying been sports. Buying baseball merchandise. No, just sports in general. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, my most recent purchase, I got like a, a Los Angeles Rams t-shirt. And sure enough, there's coupon codes for it. And even when you don't get a coupon code, you get honey gold, so you'll eventually get some gift cards to buy yeah. more sports merchandise. That's right. Like a Dodger dog that goes like this. It's a bobblehead. It's a bobble body, bobble technically. Bobble body, yeah. Bobble body. Um, and you, but it, look, you didn't buy it online, but when when you went to the Dodger game, you bought some merchandise too. So I did. I probably should have bought it online. There you go. You would have got a discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, Honey has found its over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Uh, we would never recommend something we don't use. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash itdaily. That is joinhoney.com slash itdaily. All right, back to the news now with the latest in aggressive parents taking the stand at local meetings in order to make their voices heard. And if you can believe it, this one actually has nothing to do with the coronavirus or masks or the vaccine or anything like that, which is shocking. We know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one, it's a bit of the classic angry parent fair that you could expect to pop up every once in a while in these types of meetings in the before times. Yeah. Because this parent is very upset at a book that the students at a local middle school are allowed to read. Um, We'll just let the very upset parent take it from here. For the boys, pussy or the idea of pussy or the idea of idea of pussy, a Mexican is a Mexican is a Mexican. Take her out back, we boys figured, then hand on the titties. Put it in her coin box, put it in her cornhole, grab a hold of that braid, rub that calico. You can find that on page 39 of the book called Out of Darkness, which you can find at Hudson Bend Middle School and Bee Cave Middle School. All right, not gonna lie, I had to Google cornhole because I have the game in the back of my yard, but according to Wikipedia, cornhole is a sexualist slang vulgarism for anus. The term came into the use in the 1910s of the United States as verb form to cornhole, which came into usage in the 1930s, means to have anal sex. I do not want my children to learn about anal sex in middle school. I have never had anal sex. I don't want to have anal sex. I don't want my kids having anal sex. I want you to start focusing on education and not public health. Stone, you're on. All right. Well, uh, and yeah, oops. When we said that, uh, thankfully, there was no mask mandate talk in this one, we were kind of mistaken because it appears as though she was going to argue against mask mandates. But she's in Texas, so... (laughs) The school board 
they're not going to enforce they're it. They're not going to so, enforce yeah. it anyway. She says that. She's like, yeah, since we're in Texas, no big deal. I'll get on to my next so, problem. Yeah, she showed up to yell and get mad, so she moved on to the next topic. Yeah. She got angry about a book that was available in the school library that uses vulgar language about anal sex. But a book that, according to reviews, quote, stares unflinchingly at racism, classism, segregation, and the people who live on the margins of society, and is a powerful, layered tale of forbidden love in the times of unrelenting racism. Uh, yeah. So, seems important, but since it talks about sex and uses words that offend this parent, the school district has now pulled the book from those schools' libraries. Yeah. And you replace them with the Bible. You could. Yeah, this is the. Uh, I don't know why you need all these big libraries. This is the only book you need. The yeah. Bible. Yeah. All you have to do is go down to your local hotel and pull it out of the side cabinet. Yeah. New American edition. Fuck King James. Get uh, that shit out of here. Also, like, very suspicious that she found and picked this book in particular. Uh, thinks there was a reason behind it. Um, yeah. Well, because so. it's that's it's it's all part of the critical race theory hysteria where yeah. no one actually knows what critical race theory is. They just, they just get real angry about they, it. They just get real angry about their kids having to acknowledge the fact that uh, for most of its history, this has been an extremely racist country. Uh, they, they, they would prefer that we simply pretend that none of that happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of Texas, a doctor there who has violated the state's abortion ban has now been sued under the new law that basically makes it illegal to perform the operation in the state specifically uh, after around six weeks after uh, conception. From the Washington Post, a lawsuit that could test the constitutionality of the nation's most restrictive abortion ban was filed in Texas Monday against a doctor who admitted to performing an abortion considered illegal under the new law. Braid stepped forward last week to say that he provided an abortion to a woman who was in the early stages of pregnancy, but beyond the state's limit. Despite the risks, Dr. Braid said he acted because of his duty as a doctor and, quote, because she has a fundamental right to receive this care. Oh, boy, here we go. Uh, He also wrote, I fully understood that there could be legal consequences, but I wanted to make sure that Texas didn't get away with its bid to prevent this blatantly unconstitutional law from being tested. Uh, on Monday, the an Arkansas man said that he decided to file a lawsuit to test the constitutionality of the Texas measure after reading a news report about Braid's declaration. Oscar Stilley, a former lawyer convicted of tax fraud in 2010, said he is not personally opposed to abortion, but believes that the measure should be subject to judicial review. Quote, if the law is no good, why should we have to go through a long, drawn-out process to find out if it's garbage? He also noted that a successful lawsuit could result in an award in court of at least $10,000 for the plaintiff. Quote, if the state of Texas decided it's going to give a $10,000 bounty, why shouldn't I get that $10,000 bounty? Said Stilly, who is currently serving his 15-year <laughs> prison sentence on home confinement. Uh, what? Like, How does that work? So that's the... Th- okay. So what's weird about like this guy's position uh, is that... He, I guess it's good if this doesn't uh, win because then it proves that this was unconstitutional. Yeah. But also, if it does win, I get $10,000. With win-win. <laughs> for, for this guy, he's like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, continues. Yeah. Uh, that the first legal challenge to the Texas law came from a convicted felon in Arkansas it was somewhat surprising. The anti-abortion group Texas Right to Life has been gathering anonymous tips about potential violations, but had not yet filed a lawsuit, in part because abortion providers and clinics said they were complying with the law. The group has also been temporarily barred by state court decisions from suing certain providers in parts of the state. So, yeah, here we go. Yes, here we do. Yeah, the first case testing this law is underway, and we all now just have to watch and see whether or not this will even hold up. There's huge implications no matter how this decision goes. Yes. Very, 
very big decisions. Yeah. Implications. Uh, but uh, let's move back over to Florida. No. Nothing good happens there. <laughs> You're right, Elliot. Wow. How could you predict that this story was not going to be a good story? Back to Florida. If you aren't already aware by now, it is officially National Hispanic Heritage Month. What about White Month? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, and, uh, while this not be this might not be common knowledge to some, the local government over in Broward County, Florida, they wanted to change that by making people aware that it was National Hispanic Heritage Month. Okay. So they spent what we could only assume were seconds figuring out a way to make this announcement fun and relatable for everyone. And Here's what ended up going out on the local government's Facebook page last week. National Hispanic Heritage Month starts today. It begins on the 15th of September every year to celebrate the independence of Latin American countries Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. What are you doing to celebrate? With an animated gif of a smiling, dancing taco with a sour cream hairdo shaking maracas. They had us in the first half. <laughs> until you scrolled down just a little bit more. Oh, well, this is uh, very tasteful. And they fucked it up. Yeah. Now, according to local news, uh, a local news affiliate, the post was taken down hours after the damage had already been done. Instead of its audience sharing how they were going to celebrate, social media users shared their outrage over the insensitive graphic. And now the county is being called out across national media outlets. Uh, Perez Verdia, a Colombian-American who works as an advisor on Latino issues for Florida Agricultural Commissioner Nikki Freed, told the Washington Post she was surprised this is still happening in 2021. Quote, there are so many other things that represent us as Latinos than a taco with sour cream on top. It's just not who we are, Perez Verdia said. The Washington Post spoke to Gregory Meyer, assistant director of the Broward County Office of Public Communications, who said the employee who made the post is not Hispanic and didn't know any better. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Meyer shared that the employee has now been counseled on cultural sensitivity. A dancing taco is not representative of the Hispanic community and should not have been associated with the annual celebration, Meyer told the Washington Post. It was not our intention to offend anyone with our previous post, but rather acknowledge National Hispanic Heritage Month in a celebratory way. This is why it's probably good uh, for places to have a diverse workplace. Yeah, if it, all, all they needed was one person in that building to be like, uh, wait, I think that's like, hold on. Time out. That is that a taco you got with a, a sour cream hairdo? You got a great post here. Just don't put the graphic on it. You don't need the graphic. Get rid of that. You got yourself. No one's even going to know. They're not going to remember. But this. then they would be like, oh, no, our social media guru that we hired told so us that have post a, the image or animated gift yeah, they gets do better. more interaction. The algorithm. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's the entire reason why Facebook made uh, uh, those text posts into graphics yeah, that's because they're more like interactive. So this is like someone just being like, you know what really spiced this up? A dancing taco. <sighs> and at least it got people talking about it. it. The guy that posted this is like, well, look, now everyone's talking about yeah. Hispanic Heritage Month. Before I came along, no one was <laughs> talking about it. Starting a conversation. Wear me award. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> with that out of the way, let's let's do everyone a solid. Everyone watching a solid. And let's end today's episode with a bit of good news. Military veterans that were discharged under the don't ask, don't tell rule regarding the homosexuality of members of the military, they are now retroactively eligible for all VA benefits. Hey. Yes. That's great. Exactly. Wow. Well, good one. <laughs> we got a good one in here. Yeah. Now, this policy probably shouldn't have been in place. People shouldn't no. have been discharged over this. But no. Uh, the fact that they can now get the benefits is great. Yeah. From CNN. 
The Veterans Affairs Department issued guidance stating military service members who were discharged because of their sexual orientation, gender identity, or HIV status under the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy are eligible for all Veterans Affairs benefits. This allows veterans who are discharged because of their gender identity, sexual orientation, or HIV status to receive the full range of veterans benefits, including veteran readiness and employment benefits, home loan guarantee, compensation and pension benefits, health care, homeless programs, and burial benefits. So there you go. And if that wasn't enough, would you like me to do the little lad dance? No, please don't. I hate but, it so much. But mommy said if I want berries and cream. I, I don't get this. I have I to don't, do the little lad dance. I don't like it. I don't like it. All right, Elliot doesn't want me to do it. You know who would have been great at this? Brandon. Oh, yeah. Brandon, Brandon Winfrey doing the little lad dance is the only thing that could top the actual Brandon should berries get on, and cream. get on TikTok. I mean, he's a very busy boy, but... Uh, I feel like I feel like he would do well. In Berries that. and cream. When I was a little lad, my mother. Um, Anyone not on TikTok doesn't know what the hell you're talking about right now. It took me a while uh, to get through all of it, but yeah, once you get once you see like just the first video and then see all of the posts after, you're like. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of fun. Look, to explain it briefly, there was like, a, it was like, I think it's like a Starburst commercial from like the early oh, 2000s. Yeah. Okay. And so people just morphed this into like 50 different songs. Um, yeah. But uh, there you go. Leaving it on a positive note, mm -hmm. there you go. Right. In the meantime, uh, we will be uh, back for some tech news and other stuff. Uh, check out the most recent episode of Weekly Weird News right over here and the most recent episode of News Dump. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for watching. Bye-bye.